Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Longhorn Republic. You can also shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who knows better than to change his Twitter profile picture to me in high school. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> uh, you got to be careful with those profile uh, games, shenanigans, and or bets. Uh Good friend of the podcast, Aggie Mario, um, once had a, a bet with me. Uh, scariest moment of my life, but uh, it was when the two best players in college basketball, obviously Kevin Durant and AC Law the Fourth, uh, believe it or not, if Aggie fans are be to, to be believed, uh, squared off in the Irwin Center, and it was a, a tight one, a close one. But Mario and I had a a riding profile picture in the other team's shirt for three week bet uh thank god kevin durant delivered i actually don't remember if if mario delivered for three full weeks he may have done like a week um but you know the man who wore a pink texas shirt in high school before going to texas a&m uh definitely had some handy to to at least throw that on so be careful when you change your profile picture to your friends mario's recruitment was very weird <laughs> it's fine, but it is what it is. No, he's 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 still to this day one of our best friends. Uh, but we are not here to T- talk about Keontae. Tell the Coburn. folks what we're talking about, Gerald, just in case they they are not they think they are lost with our train of thought and are distracted by uh, Aggie Mario. So if you're not on Twitter, you're not going to see this. But um, we're just going to go and say it. Social media darling, Demarvian <laughs> Overshone, Agent Zero, changed his Twitter handled profile excuse me to be a 247 sports picture of keandre coburn in high school very baby faced (laughs) bad angle for the mugshot all of the above so snacks being another social media darling decided to clap back at him which was completely great and changed his to an even worse i'm just gonna go and say an even worse (laughs) uh profile picture so uh deshaun jameson decided to start laughing at them so they apparently as it stands eight 36 on a Monday night 
have yet to decide how they're going to team up on him, but it looks like they're going to team up on him. <laughs> I hope so, man. That's honestly, Gerald, we'll talk about, uh, we will give you 45 minutes of breaking down the profile picture. No, we won't, but I'll just say this. Uh, that's a good sign, man. When, when teammates are clowning on each other, ragging on each other, um, that's a good sign, right? That's the culture. If you're not familiar with young kids or, or high performing athletes, uh, that's, that's a good thing. If you're cutting on each other, I, I once heard someone say, uh, your best friends talk mess to your face and, uh, uh, talk you up behind your back as opposed to vice versa. Um, and I think there's, there's some truth in that, right? I want my friends to, to talk all the madness to me. And then when, when I'm not around be absolutely my champion. So I think that's what we're seeing here. The meanest people in my life are my three closest friends. <laughs> the, just like the, the my three closest friends are the meanest people in my life, and it's because we've known each other for like what almost two decades at this point because we're old Fair. as heck. But we're not here to talk about interpersonal relationships with three guys from small Texas towns. That'll be on our other podcast, Lone Star Home Star. Uh, but we're here to talk <laughs> about some Texas Longhorns. Uh, we've got some basketball. We got. Uh, an up and down week. We'll just go and say it for both teams. Got some um, breaking Twitter coaching updates. We'll go ahead and explain that to you uh, here in our second segment. We'll obviously down the 40. And we're actually going to do the Burn Orange Lenses and Godzilla Tron today because, well, there were basketball cancellations midweek. So there's not a ton to talk about for a Thursday show. So we're going to probably rock with one show this week. But we'll be back to our uh, two show a week as soon as Texas gets his COVID issues under way but let's start with the one in one week we'll go and call it from the texas longhorn men's basketball team um texas led for all but like a minute of the of the texas tech game uh let tech hang around when you let a decent team hang around those types of things happen. So uh, worst man on the planet, Mac McClung, hit a last-second three-pointer to give Texas Tech their uh, first lead of the second half. I think Tech led for a total of, I think, 36 seconds Correct. overall. Uh, but Texas Tech walked away with a 79-77 win over the Texas Longhorns. Uh, we'll hit that one real quick. Kyle, it was just an uh, – like, that was – I've never seen a more – uh, or at least this year, I'll say I've never seen a more disjointed performance from a Texas team. First half, great. Second half, trash. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, exaggerated on both accounts, I think. First half, I feel like they fluked a little, if I can be honest. They overachieved. I mean, they shot... 57% from deep 50% from the field. I, I knew there was, I felt in my heart, there was going to be a regression because tech is a very good defensive team. You have to give them credit and they've been playing incredibly well coming into that game. So I thought the second half would be closer. I just did not think that Texas would then go on the other uh, half and just really, you know, perform so incredibly subpar. Um, but I mean, all things considered this, this was the inverse, right? We are feeling the way West Virginia fans felt uh, a week before this was the inverse of where Texas stole that game. Tech stole this game, a game that they in no way should have won, but Texas just didn't put the foot down. They were not all gas, no breaks. Um, they, they didn't, uh, you know, extend that lead. They didn't keep, winning they didn't break the will uh, of tech and to their credit they hung around and with um the villain from karate kid were able to hit the winning shot it's the alternate universe where uh you know they do sweep the leg in the second half and mac mcclung again uh 80s movie villain he's going to be everyone's uh guy they love to hate during march madness because tech will be good and he's going to be awful as a human but good as a player and uh and anyways and so uh 
he got the game winner. You know, good for them. They won it. Um, there were some things to take away on performances in it. Um, I think the bigger thing is just the, the lack of uh, consistency. And we'll talk about how they responded. They needed to come out and respond after this one, um, after that half they played in the second half. And we'll talk a bit about the, the Kansas State rebound uh, afterwards. But, uh, yeah, not to put too point, fine a point on it, it was it – was, um, about 20% better than they probably should have been in the first half and about 60% worse than they should have in the second. And I think the, the most disappointing part about that is that Texas um, had two, a couple, like couple three sh- like chances to, to pull mm-hmm. away, pull ahead. And it just felt like tech just hung around. Um, it, it like, and it, I even like when, when they missed like that, that bunny layup yep. to like keep the game, I guess make it, keep it a one score game or keep it a, keep it a one point game. I guess is probably more accurate. Um, I was like, Oh, that's it. Like I, that just, you had that feeling where it was just the second half was everything broke the wrong way for Texas. And, and so that, that dagger three pointer was kind of just the, the symptom or the symptom of the root issue that just Texas played a really bad, really sloppy second half. And, and it was, um, you know, they, they shot 18 of 31 from the stripe. They were 8 of 24 from the floor in the second half, which led to a 41 to 29 uh, score. Like, the fact that Tech had to be 12 points better to win by two shows how above the standard they were in the first half and below the standard they were in the second half. Is that, like... If Texas plays an even game on both, Texas probably wins this by six points, and it doesn't feel that close. If Texas plays like they played, I don't know, two or three games ago, then they probably win this pretty comfortably. And so I think um, the big thing for me is how much Texas really struggled against the zone, which could turn out to be problematic later in the season. Yeah, I mean, so look, the the the, the guard played 20 from Jones, 15 from Ramey. Uh, Ramey had 15, four rebounds, four assists. Coleman, 13, uh, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, the thing you can look at, though, is Ramey's, the way Keontae Ingram gets judged for two plays in his career, a drop and a fumble against TCU. Um, it, you you can look at this, and people have, uh, as Ramey missed a bunny and then threw a weird full-court press inbounds that gave him another two points of a four-point swing. Um, but the bigger thing, like you just mentioned, is they, they combined Coleman and Ramey uh, for one from 12 inside the arc. They were seven for 14 from, from behind the arc, so they shot better. They improved an area of weakness from, from weeks past, um, but they kind of couldn't do what they had been doing so well, which was finishing at the rim. It allowed Jericho Sims to, to clean up and, and eat and get some points and get some rebounds and get to the line and all of that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of different things you can look at the, the points, uh, you know, from free throws, obviously getting, getting outshot by third by 20% is not good. Uh, the, the end of game kind of execution, the finishing at the rim. I mean, you, you basically pick whichever one you want to tell this story, but it, it, again, it was a game that they should have won. They didn't win. There's about 13 different reasons. You can even throw uneven officiating on both ends uh, in that one, but it just, it, it was a, it was a, um, a toss up game and a game you hope you win when there's a special season. It feels like you always win those. And up to this point, it felt special because Texas had, they were, I think four and zero in games decided by three points. Uh, I'm not, overreacting to this it was a top 15 loss it, it's it's a weird year it was a tough one no rebound you lose in college basketball and that i'll leave it at that yeah i, I don't think they were ever going to go through conference play undefeated and i think um the simple fact that again they were so bad 
in the second half. Like, abysmal. There's no two ways around. They were abysmal in the second half, and it took late game heroics by probably my least favorite college basketball player in the last five years uh, to get it done. But Texas moved on and got it done against Kansas State, uh, shorthanded, extremely shorthanded. Uh, GB3, Brock, and uh, Kai, not money, but I wanted to call him <laughs> Kai Money just because like, that felt like a good nickname, but then I realized there was an actual Texas football player called Kai Money, and that would be confusing. <laughs> uh, but all three of them were unavailable due to uh, COVID precautions, COVID reasons, and so shorthanded, Texas still managed to get it done. Against Kansas State, they looked really. They looked. They looked good in this game. Now Kansas State, not a great basketball team, but they looked good in this one. Yeah, it was. Uh, the final score does certainly not even tell the the story of this one. It was seventy nine to fifty three with with I think five minutes left uh, in that one. And Texas put the put not only the the victory human victory cigars in all of the uh, walk ons, but they put a kid who who announcers those of us watching were scrambling to find. Uh, he was not on the roster. I think maybe he's a student manager, uh, but either way, he got in the game, and that's a good sign when Texas does that. And you know what? I My biggest takeaway, we just talked about the tech and how that was just a bad taste in your mouth kind of lost, man. It could have got that one. When when Texas just mollywopped the other team from Kansas, uh, the, the Jayhawks, you kind of felt bad for whoever was next, and I think they beat TCU by 193 in their next uh, game. They just destroyed them. And, you know, good teams, like, you, you see them respond. And and I kind of had a feeling when I saw Kansas State was the next game on the schedule, ooh, boy, um, this will tell us a lot about what Texas is. If they're a good team, they're going to come out and just crush the worst team in the Big 12. And then when I saw how down they were, I worried, well, maybe they won't. It didn't matter. Whoever was on the court, um, they, you know, they were just absolutely relentless in making sure that uh, they they washed all of the all of the bad smell uh, out of that one, you know, and, and I, I feel like that was a that was a ritualistic cleansing. And again, against Kansas State, I love to see it. If you pair the sixty nine to thirty, whatever that the, the football team did, and then this, it, it is so soul reaffirming to see Texas just absolutely destroy the the cretins of of Kansas State and and the little apple and and you you know how much I loved it Gerald I mean I know how you feel about purple teams um <laughs> but like this to see Kamaka Hepa hit a career high yeah Andrew Jones hit 19 and we have to have the Andrew Jones talk at some point where I'm just going to be real with you there I wasn't ever. Sh- I wasn't sure that Andrew Jones was going to play basketball again, or at least play basketball at a high level again. I thought Andrew Jones would be the guy who's like, you know what? We love seeing him on the team. He gets a couple minutes a game. Like Andrew Jones looks like Andrew Jones again, and that to me is not just um, a feel good thing, but I think it's really important to Texas basketball, where Andrew Jones is a guy who's just a dog. And he'll go out there and he'll get the points. He'll get the buckets. He's aggressive. He's mean. He's explosive. Like he's. Just, I, I just love seeing him play at such a high level. And that, to me, I think more than anything, could turn out to be a differentiator in the season. Yeah, I mean, look, there's some there's some good things to take away from this too, right? Like you, you you talked about some specifics. I mean, Jace Febris getting back in his first minutes was to me really reassuring. We talked about the depth in this team, and again, we've we've lost two to transfer, three to COVID this week. Um, it's really easy to to eat away 
other teams, for instance, Iowa State, uh, will talk about, you, you get three guys in the COVID protocol, you may not have enough scholarship players to to play, right? Um, I think six, maybe seven is the Big 12 minimum, but um, Texas did because they're deep. And, and one of the reasons is they were able to kind of slow play Jace Fabrez and I think maybe got past the really meaty, nasty part of the Big 12 schedule and it was a perfect game for him to come back. But the thing I'll say, uh, he, he played, you know, a, a decent amount. His first minutes since February 2019, 22 minutes. He had six points. You know, he hit two threes. That's great. Um, but five rebounds and three assists, which I love. Two block shots. He did things that he hasn't done in the past. Had a steal in there. Um, he wasn't just a shooter, shooter, shooter. Kamaka Hapa, perfect in his role of when I'm on offense, put me in the corner. I'll Bruce Bowen it and I'll just knock shots down. Love that. Um, if Febris can continue to use his skill set, using his length in the bo- on the blocks, getting three assists, which, I, I mean, I'd have to look back at the stats. I don't remember him ever getting three assists last year. It seemed like he got the ball and he shot it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited um, to get him back in the rotation, what that means if it changes up, you know, who's getting the seventh uh, most minutes because I think Kai Jones probably has that sixth spot lock. Um, but we'll see where that, you know, affects Ham and Cunningham and, and maybe Donovan Williams most of all. But uh, it's exciting to see him back. Uh, again, a player who is supremely talented and, and on his night, the best shooter on the team. But I agree with you. Andrew Jones might have something to say about that right now. He's playing like an NBA, you know, first round pick. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe he wants to challenge him. And I've, you know what? Let him fight. <laughs> That's my favorite meme. When we talk about like, which player is going to be better, which quarterback's going to come in and, and show out in spring practice. Doesn't matter. Let them fight. Whoever wins. I'm happy about it. And the same thing goes for the Texas guards. Like guards win in college basketball regardless of how good the interior game is and explosive it is for Texas, which it is, but we look at, let's go back to the game-winning shot from a couple weeks ago. It was because Texas had been abusive in the paint and because Courtney Ramey had decided he was going to just be the man with a knife in the lane um, that opened up everything. So so as as good as, as Greg Brown is, as good as Sims has been Texas need the the more the merrier when it comes to that backcourt and I'm I'm more more than happy to just say you know what you two try to show each other up every week let's do it and one just final stat on on Mr. Sims you mentioned there uh again probably the fifth guy out of Texas's starters that gets talked about even though he is elite on his day and elite in specific categories right now they always joke on the broadcast Chaka refuses to run a play for him on offense. Just doesn't. But he still gets his points. He's double digits. He's really coming to his own the past few games. Um, right now, he's currently shooting, uh, I believe, 80% in conference play, 79%. Um, and according to uh, Bitter White, I looked it up, he has the highest effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage of any player in the Big 12 as well as rebounding well. So, I mean, it's just... If you have a guy who, like you said, gets some more shooters out there, gets some more scores, have some more options, have them go, but you can have that confidence when Greg Brown and Sims and Ham, when he can not foul out in 17 minutes or whatever, are able to to play uh, and, and make some plays again. And then when, when it right now looks like Sims, when the ball touches his hands in the paint anywhere, whether it's a pass or a rebound, he's going to go up strong and finish it. Um, that's exciting. You know, and, and that don't want to oversell the loss and I don't want to oversell the win against again, the the worst team in the conference. But I think the, the macro of it says that this team is still good enough to finish, you know, uh, probably uh, we'll see about a one seed, but a two seed seems very realistic. And, and again, if you would have 
told us that four, five, six weeks ago, we would have said, you know, ooh, it hurts too much to hope, right? I, I don't want to believe it. Um, but it's okay to believe now. Like, this team is very good. And I think that the way they bounce back and how vicious and ferocious they were in, in, in seeing this one through after they didn't against Tech uh, told me a lot. We went, Shaka went into the season on the hot seat. And it would take a monumentous collapse, I think, for for that seat to reignite. But Texas avoided potentially what could have what could have led to a weird narrative about Shaka this year. Um, I, the game against Iowa State was canceled. A rescheduled, I guess, not canceled because it'll be they'll have to make up a game against Baylor and Iowa State mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Uh, but Iowa State was rescheduled due to COVID issues, uh, which is good because Greg Brown, uh, Brock, and Kai would not have traveled, and Iowa State's not Baylor, but Iowa State's probably better than Kansas State, so that could have turned into a weird situation. So Texas falls just one spot to number five in the AP poll as they get an extended break before their next matchup. Moving to the women's side, other thing, the women had a similar up and down. Week they beat Kansas seventy nine to seventy two before falling to Texas Tech on the road boo seventy four <laughs> to sixty six that Tech game when we talk about ugly basketball games that Tech game from the ladies was just not yeah I mean it's 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 hard to go too much into it it's just I guess Tech uglies up the basketball um, but uh, Texas going I think twenty for sixty one from the floor uh, that's not good right like Vic Schaefer likes his teams to get easy looks. That's the whole point of his kind of defensive system is to create some fast break and some, some good looks inside and, and easy looks. And so that you don't shoot low percentages, right? Defense leads to easy offense. Um, you know, you, you didn't get a ton of minutes from either Audrey Warren or Charlie Collier and, and, you know, it, who is going to be consistently Texas's second best player? Or if Charlie Collier isn't on her game, who's going to step up and carry the team? I think, you know, we've seen, good men's and women's teams that have one really elite star. Um, and it's, it's hard to sustain that through a whole season. Um, so, you know, they, they need to kind of figure out, stem the tide a bit here. We talked about the men's team doing it against Kansas state. If they can, they can take these next couple games and, and, and prove something and stem the tide. Hopefully they can, um, they can write the ship in time for, for a tournament run where I think they, they, even though this is the first year of Schaefer, they still have expectations for this season and, and they expect more. And that's the struggle with bringing in a guy like Vic Schaefer, right? You don't really get the year zero when he comes in and recruits like gangbusters in his yeah. first offseason, picks up a bunch of big transfers. Like, you don't really get the year zero. Um, but I think it's, you know, Texas is 8-1 and one at home and 1-2 and two on the road. And again, just like I think the men's team, they're struggling against the zone as well. If you go back and watch that um, that Tech game, the, the, zone, the zone from the, the, the lepers from Lubbock. I couldn't come up with another word for an L word, but um, whatever you Losers. want to call it. There you go. I, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, but like the zone really just, just mm, it, it's, it's really causing struggles. For the team. So ladies are off until Wednesday at home, the friendly confines of the cardboard fans and the piped in noise against TCU at seven o'clock. You can check that out on Longhorn Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, 
Just go to cars.com. It's magical. So in the weirdest set of coaching updates that we've ever done, uh, Twitter has given us a lot of coaching updates, whether <laughs> it's other teams announcing via Twitter or rumored coaches just simply changing their Twitter bios to reflect their new positions at the University of Texas. So we'll start with the guys leaving. Um, Coleman Hutzler, according to uh, 247 Sports, is expected to be named the special teams coordinator at Ole Miss. That's a position that we thought he would be uh, helming at Texas. Turned out to be just a really incredible linebackers coach. Uh, Chris Ash is expected to join Urban Meyer's staff in Jacksonville. And Mark Hagan has been officially announced as the DL coach at Purdue, joining Mike Yersich who was announced as the offensive coordinator for Penn State, I guess it's probably two weeks ago now. So we're seeing that really the two that we know that have been retained, uh, Andre Coleman and Stan Drayton, are probably likely the only two that mm. will remain standing from the coaching staff. So um, as we look at the, the departures, I know we, don't, we still don't have a defensive coordinator as of, again, 9 o'clock on Monday night, but um, the coaching staff at least – it's starting to shape up. We got some confirmed arrivals via Twitter. Terry Joseph uh, officially changed his name to being the passing game coordinator for the University of Texas. Kyle Flood uh, changed his to be the offensive uh, offensive coordinator, I think, at the University of Texas. And Jeff Banks, special teams coordinator and tight end coach. It looks like, um, from my vantage point, it looks like Steve Sarkeesian is, is showing preference toward guys that uh, can get it done on the recruiting trail, which... You know what? If you want to lock down the state of Texas, bringing in ace recruiters like Jeff Banks or Kyle Flood, especially with the offensive line class coming up in 2022, seems like a smart decision. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, two of those guys in, in Jeff Banks and Terry Joseph um, on the confirmed arrivals have coached in the state of Texas at Texas A&M, left for obviously better programs, now leaving for even better programs. So it shows UT is not one but two rungs above uh, the lowly Aggies uh, with both Jeff Banks and Terry Terry Joseph having spent some time uh, there in College Station. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? I, I think Twitter, the, the new social media, we, we see a lot of reports because you don't necessarily believe them. But, hey, that's the themselves, their Twitter account. You can believe that in Banks' situation. I think his uh, his uh, wife, girlfriend, significant other either way, um, broke it a couple days ago uh, saying she needed some burnt orange to add to her 2,000-piece closet. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty good sign that she was heading, and I think actually getting on a plane, heading to Austin. Um, so, you know, the social media breaks these things. That's fair. We like to wait until it's concrete and we can uh, we cannot speculate here. What I would say is, look, we really like Coleman Hutzler. I think both of us would have would have lobbied for him to stick around because of the development we saw with the linebackers. Um, he had a good recruiting class this year. Um, probably the two the two or three guys in in that class. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's as expected every year. I think he performed really well. We'll see when he goes to Ole Miss if he continues to do that. Uh, maybe we lost one there. Um, Hagen, I think makes sense to go back in the the, the Midwest where he's he's shined there. Also, again. A guy who stepped up his career leaving A and M uh, before coming uh, to, to Texas again. That's the the, the latter. Uh, but Chris Ash, the one that's really interesting, if he does indeed head to Florida, joining Urban Meyer, or um, you know what happens there. That 
is Texas doesn't have again as we're recording this at nine o'clock a defensive coordinator announced it, it seems a little bit odd but I I'm true I'm choosing to trust I'm choosing to trust Sarkeesian I'm choosing to trust uh, Del Conte certainly um and, and and trust of course the the guys that they did bring in I'm really a huge fan of Kyle Flood um I think Jeff Banks is notorious as one of the best recruiters in in the country um and Terry Joseph I mean he's he's leaving Notre Dame where he brought some some guys and got them back basically right if we talk about wanting to be Texas back um he got that Notre Dame um, defense uh, back, you know, into the into the playoff picture. So I, I think um, all three of those should excite folks and have a good uh, opportunity to really impact that that next twenty twenty two class, especially with the offensive line class in twenty twenty two. I love that you called out Kyle Flood um, because that offensive line class twenty one was a really special class, and twenty two also has the opportunity to do that, especially if Texas can actually land some of the top fifty guys that are offensive linemen that happen to be in the state, but it's a very, um, you know, I think my big concern was a lot of the names that were tied to these positions were very coastal. They were, they were very East coast, West coast kind of guys. Uh, but then Jeff Banks is very much tied into his kids still live in college station. So, so I think there, there's a lot to be said about, I guess when you look at coaches, at the college level, you got your recruiters and you have your developers generally, and then you've got guys that can be both. And I think Kyle Flood is a guy that can be both. I think Jeff Banks probably leans more toward the 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 ace recruiter, the guy that can walk in and, and he's the closer. Um, Terry Joseph is a bit of both as well, and very clearly um, Sark liked something that he saw from him this year. So we'll we'll keep again keep you up to date with all of the coaching updates, all the coaching changes, as apparently. The school's not going to officially announce anything, but they will update their Twitter profiles <laughs> to at least uh, connect with people on the, co- the 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 recruiting trail. I'm Ron Burgundy. So now it's the part of the show where we uh, d- do the news dump because, again, we've still got some weird football stuff to clean up, and we down the 40. So some transfer portal news. Uh, a couple of players taking their talents elsewhere, at least considering weighing their options is probably more accurate. Uh, Keontae Ingram and Jalen Green are both in the transfer portal currently. I think Jalen Green is more of a weighing his options kind of guy from what I've seen. Keontae Ingram is probably heading out with um, the emergence of Bijan and Roshan and then Texas adding another running back. Um, so sad to see them go uh, on the positive guy coming in um, linebacker defensive end Ray Thornton uh, has reported according to 247 sports and inside Texas both reporting this has chosen Texas to be his destination in the transfer portal a guy who uh, almost ended up at Texas during his initial recruitment mm-hmm. and is now landing on the 40 acres to close out his collegiate career yeah he's uh, he came from Colleen Shoemaker my brother actually coached there and, and uh, was not there at the time he was there but new guys who knew Ray Thornton and obviously when he played high school um thought a lot of his potential talent and and just the way he transformed his body at LSU he's looks like a grown man I think he's going to be 24 this season um or, he is a grown man yeah and he legitimately looks like uh, a 24 year old bodybuilder a, a man amongst boys um you know I'd love to see him and uh Wheeler in a uh Rambo over the top remake uh for Longhorn Network again we're just giving you gems here but the two biggest arms in Texas showbiz um but you know I, I am excited we linebacker depth is something we certainly needed. We, we both speculated we'd be uh, Texas would be looking to that in the portal. I do hope that they can talk to both Ingram and, and Jalen green and, and, you know, see what happens there. Again, we joke, uh, we spend a lot of our NCAA 14 recruiting budget on, on bringing back guys. That was before portal, but we're going back from the NFL. So I hope Sark is doing uh, the same, but it, it, it gave me a bit of a pause to kind of go back and, and, 
think about that like incredibly vaunted defensive back recruiting class with number one safety Stearns, number two safety in the country, BJ Foster, number six cornerback, Jalen Green, uh, number six safety, uh, DeMarvian Overshaw, number 10 cornerback, Anthony Cook, uh, Deshaun Jameson, I think was the top uh, 15. These were all top 100, mostly top like 30, 40 guys, depending which site you're ranking. Just unbelievable defensive back class uh jameson probably the guy who who you know has been the most consistently uh good out of that stearns is shine the brightest we're hoping he he does it at the next level the nfl um overshone probably the the single you know uh brightest on the team still um but his is that's because he's really taken to moving away from there to the linebacker spot so i hope I hope Green stays in fights because I think that legacy that class deserves a little bit more. And maybe it will come from Stearns just balling out and being the next Texas safety in the NFL. Um, again, maybe it's overshown as a linebacker at that level uh, or whatever. Or Jamison as, you know, the next Devin Hester just returning kickoffs at the next level. I'm not sure. But uh, I have on this podcast at least... 10 times, maybe a, a dozen times said that I loved green. And for the past couple years, he's been the cornerback. I just thought would break out of all of them the most. Um, and, and you know, maybe that's why I'm rooting so hard. Cause I don't like to be wrong. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he, he did play a decent amount this year. Maybe there's a depth chart thing that he knows that we don't. Uh, there was some talk about moving him to a different position. Uh, they brought in Darian Dunn from McNeese in this last as a, as a transfer as well. So it'll be interesting, um, to see what plays out there, but either way, to Ingram and Green, thanks for the service and memories, and you'll always be Longhorns. You know, it makes it makes sense for the depth chart reasons because I do think Keontae is just seeing his name kind of slide down the depth chart, and he's a guy who, when he came in, I was really excited for him. I thought he was going to be a dude, and he, he really was a dude in a lot of ways for Texas. Um, but he's he struggled, and from from all accounts, he's kind of a he gets into his head sometimes. And so I think that has probably plagued him. Um, Jalen Green is is, is a, a big loss, I think, for the secondary because again, Texas needs a lot of bodies, especially playing in this conference. Um, and it looks like Thornton may project to be uh, a potential. Let's try to fill Joseph Osai's spot with just as many bodies as we can, but we'll see how that uh, see how that works out. Some more players coming to the Forty Acres. Nine early enrollees are officially on campus. Safety: J.D. Coffey, cornerback: uh, Jameer jo- uh, Johnson from California, uh, Derek Harris Jr. and Terrence Cooks, who are close friends. Love seeing them on campus already. On offense, you've got Jaden Alexis and Gunnar Helm, wide receiver and tight end. Offensive tackle and my just personal, like, personality <laughs> favorite in the class, Hayden Connor, massive nerd, my kind of person. Uh, newly minted district MVP Charles Wright on campus, and then the other guy we love, because he was on this podcast with us, was punter Isaac Pearson made his way over dealing with jet lag, but he's finally on campus. Classes start tomorrow, so hopefully he's got some rest. <laughs> uh, Aussie and Austin, I, I, I love it. Um, there's some there's some dudes in that class. I think J.D. Coffey might be the guy, uh, as we talked about with the defensive, some some depth openings there with guys going either pro or potentially transferring uh, is a guy who Roach has, has liked a lot and said on this podcast and I like a lot as well but I think any of these guys either the linebackers could see you know special teams or depth chart potentially maybe one of them makes a bump or a jump um, and, and again you're right I think Hayden Connor is a guy I don't know if he comes in and plays day one but I guarantee you uh, he's going to be a fan favorite for, for years here uh, on the 40 years feel like he's been a fan favorite for about 13 already uh, but uh, the the man has been committed and stayed committed. And uh, we like that in our Longhorns is, is some dedication and bleeding of burn orange. 
Absolutely. I'm, I want to see Harris and Cooks because Derek Harris already looks like a grown man and Cooks was one of the most talented players on the field uh, for a team who ended up having like five or like somewhere in the range of like five to seven D1 starters on a team. He looked like the best player on the field uh, routinely. Jameer Johnson got a full year off. Just again, (laughs) California with their uh, COVID high school seasons decided to to skip his senior season. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for these defensive guys to play. I also think Jaden Alexis is a guy who could be a burner and take the top off the defense um, in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. So we'll get to see how that plays out. Texas baseball. And Texas softball got some preseason rankings, both ranking number nine in preseason polls. Um, again, Texas baseball. We expect good things from both these teams. Baseball, hopefully this could be another Omaha year. Same thing goes for the softball team. Hopefully you see them in the College World Series. But they took a big hit as pitcher, ace pitcher Miranda Elish chose to opt out of the 2021 season over COVID concerns. Massive loss for the softball team. Yeah, last year's shortened season player of the year. I mean, she was the best player in college softball. I think she was ready to be, you know, at worst, the second best player in college softball this year. Um, She's really, really, really good. One of the all-time greats to come through Texas. Um, Her last game, if she doesn't, you know, the the chances of her sticking around another year to wait until 2022, you know, when hopefully there is no COVID or or we've we've managed, uh, are probably slim. Um, But if if that is the case, then her last game she ever played at UT will be throwing a perfect game. Again, sad that didn't come with a national championship because they were on pace last year after beating number one and number two. And I think they would be much higher than number nine had she not opted out. This year, I still think there's a really good squad um, and a really good chance for them. They have some really good arms. I think Shaylin O'Leary's going to step up and, and be the ace, but you just can't replace. And, and and that's not even to say, I mean, Miranda was a incredible, one of our best hitters as well. I mean, just an all-around, all-around stud. Um, so it's definitely a blow. And, and, you know, you can say one of the best, you know, players of any sport on the 40 acres the last decade. Uh, so it is a big, a big loss. Massive, massive loss. Well, hopefully, and again, they added some some big transfers this offseason. So hopefully, there there's obviously going to be a drop off when you have a player like that. But hopefully, Texas can still live up to the standard. So, uh, tennis teams number six, men's tennis, and number three, women's tennis, um, just decided to go sweeping all weekend. So the men swept Louisiana and SMU, while the women uh, swept North Texas and SMU. Actually, the SMU sweep for the women came on Monday, but that's either here nor there. So both teams will host the ITA kickoff weekend. Uh, This weekend, uh, men will open against Arizona and then play Florida, Oklahoma State on Saturday, while the ladies will take on Baylor on Saturday and Arizona, Arizona or LSU on Sunday. I don't know how you sweep with a racket. But I like it. Doesn't matter. They did it. They accomplished <laughs> they it. it. They're that good. Uh, maybe uh, do you do you do you do the racket like down or do you extend off the the, the skinny part and just tie the brew? We'll figure it out. We'll we'll come back to you with an answer to this. There'll be something on Twitter within the next seventy two hours. Uh, <laughs> track and field open their twenty twenty one indoor season uh, Saturday at the Corky Classic. Um, defending that three Longhorns took. Uh, titles at that defending national championship, uh, Piperi Papiri. What did we go? It's Papiri is, is what I. Yeah, feels right. Uh, won the shot put. Uh, Charles Brockman the third, which he sounds like a lawyer in training. Won the four hundred, um, and then Kennedy Flannel won the sixty meter uh, on the ladies' side. Texas heads to Arkansas for the Woo Pig Classic on the twenty second. Their next time in action. 
Woo boy, I hope they uh, they have a good one. Uh, they will be back for the, I believe, the national championships in Arkansas. So just win now to get yourself used to winning there so they can just win, you know, a national championship. No big deal. Do it and enjoy. All right, Gerald. So let's take a look now at the world through the burnt orange colored lenses. Not as much this week as the playoffs in the NFL wind down just a... Uh, uh, a smidge here. The Longhorns were represented in every single one of the the four games with the eight teams remaining. However, um, the Grim Reaper struck. There are not a lot of Longhorns remaining in the final four. Uh, started with the Saints. They took an L to 96-year-old Tom Brady, 30-20. to 20, The craziest stat in the entire world. Um, Tom Brady has a higher percentage of reaching the conference championship in seasons he's played in than the kickers for his very Tampa Bay Buccaneers had in converting field goals this season. That's just stupid. And thanks coach Zaychek actually for texting me that one. Uh, Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Roach and little Jordan Humphrey uh, heading home. But after a good season, they will see Drew Brees no longer as their QB. So it'll be interesting for the future who's throwing passes to future hall of famer. Will Jordan Humphrey be curious to see who does that. I think my preferred stat from this is the fact that Tom Brady has more NFC championship appearances in the last 25 years than the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Like, I felt that for all of the Cowboys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coach Zajic. I'm Uh, sorry. (laughs) I, I... Guys, I'm sorry. If you want to tweet at him, it's it's you know at GH Goodrich. Send all your hate that way. Remember, it wasn't me. Uh, you don't want angry Cowboys fans in your mentions, Gerald. I, I, I assure you. Let's move on quickly. Hope they don't hear it. Bury it. Uh, from one Malcolm Brown exiting to another, the Los Angeles Rams also lost to a really old quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, coming up victorious, 32 to 18 over Malcolm Brown. He had one touch, four yards. If they would have given the ball more. You know, you know what I say. Anyways, good season for him. Uh, I'll be curious where he ends up, if he's a, a Ram forever or if he's looking for a spot to maybe get as his touches fell off towards the end of the year to get uh, get some more touches there. We'll see. I'm sorry if we have some Tampa Bay fans listening to us, but I would kill for a Rodgers-Mahomes Super Bowl. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I agree with you. Um, let's, uh, let's not overlook the fact, and we'll get there, that uh, Chad Henney. That's right, Chad Henney. Anything is possible is the reason that the that the Chiefs are moving on with their 22 to 17 win over the Baker Mayfields. That obviously is the lone Longhorn Alex Okafor uh, defensive end with a tackle in that game. Uh, moving them forward, they'll take on Buffalo in the conference championship. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that uh, if Aaron Rodgers um, is to take on Pat Mahomes and, and obviously Chad Henney, um, it will be a reminder that Chad Henney is the guy that Vince Young Rose Bowled the first time. As a Miami Dolphins fan, I want to welcome all the Cleveland Browns fans, (laughs) and specifically Baker Mayfield, to a lifetime of resenting Chad Henney. Henney thing is possible, baby. Um, Yeah, okay, so the last one, terrible, awful, no good, very bad news. The Baltimore Ravens, America's team, uh, fell 17-3 to the Bills. Look, I got family from... Not a couple hours outside of Bill's country. I know a lot of Bill's fans. They probably deserve good things in their life. Hasn't been a lot of it, but the weather was utterly atrocious. Like somehow the greatest home field advantage in all sports remains playing Buffalo. Sometimes it's terrible for their kickers if you go back to the 90s, but nonetheless, uh, centers. 
the Buffalo Bills and weather combined to to knock Devin Duvernay out of the the playoffs. This because they only scored three points in the Howling Wind. Justin Tucker was one of three from field goals. Come on, you know. When was the last time he missed two field goals? Supernatural game? effects. Yeah, that's that's. They should actually that should be enough to investigate the validity of this game. Um, there's something a brewing, you know. Built on an, on a Native American burial ground. I don't know. Something isn't isn't checking out with that one. But only scored three points. As he got no uh, extra points, they only scored three, and that meant uh, you know Devin Duvernay didn't get a lot of returns because you know, they didn't score a lot or give up a lot either. But didn't touch the ball. Sean Elliott did have five tackles, so I guess that's your Longhorn of the week. Though Okafor won, so maybe it's him. Uh, either way, we have one Longhorn remaining. So you got to root for the Chiefs. That's all we got left. I'm down with it. I'm pulling for him. Let's do it. All right, Gerald. So uh, let's let's talk about what else you're watching, right? Not a ton of NFL to watch going forward. What did you watch on your big giant screen, as we call this section, the Godzillatron, Gerald? So my wife and I Friday night settled in to watch the first Marvel offering since 2019, basically. Um, WandaVision, we got two episodes on the first night of one of of it on Disney Plus. Um, it is. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. It is not for the casual fans. It is not for the casual <laughs> fans at all because they very much did an episode of like, I love Lucy and bewitched, but they just put Wanda and vision in those two. It was, it was fun for me because there are a lot of um, very deep Marvel references in them. Like they they even did like, intercalary chapters like the grapes of wrath in the middle to like give you hints at what the episodes are themed about hmm. which was interesting for me i enjoyed it i'm a massive nerd uh raymond and i are going to talk about the those on our wednesday episode of uh two woke nerds you can check us out there if you want to hear me talk more about that and then i also started listening to and this is another massively nerdy thing um but it's not my normal thing but some friends of ours are getting together on a project called with rolls and no luck um, it is an actual play um, D&D podcast from uh, Levi, Andy Mitz, and Micah Allen from our friends from Wide, Wide Right, Natty Light, Rock Chalk Talk, and um, Cowboys Ride for Free. They're, they got together to do a live play D&D podcast. You know, I'm not a D&D guy. Not, like, that's not, like, I'll make jokes about it, but it's not really the thing I do. Uh, but it's cool to, to see them, hear them do some new things, and it was interesting. Again, if you're into that type of thing, give it a shot. They've got four episodes out now uh, with rolls and no luck. Got me through three baskets of laundry on Saturday night. I fear that I may be the only non-nerd podcaster covering the Big 12 uh, these days. You you don't D&D, Gerald, but your nerd credentials are are, are you know surefire and certified. Elsewhere. Yeah, and, and I would never challenge them for that, but uh, we've had those guys on uh, the pod and again, I feel like, you know, it, I just, it's, it's weird being the, the just mainstream really cool guy. But anyways, I, I'll, <laughs> what if I told you that the same thing that drives sports fanaticism drives fanaticism in other areas of your life? Yeah. We won't get into uh, how that has, has spilled over and ruined the world, but um, here's what I'll say, Gerald. Uh, I watched a show um, that was not necessarily, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't call it nerdy, was not necessarily my uh, forte either, um, but my wife came through, uh, it was her turn to pick, we finished Breaking Bad, which, you know, last two seasons of that, utterly impeccable, incredible, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it, if you haven't rewatched it, you should watch it, it, it holds up so incredibly well, um, but she got to pick next, and she picked uh, Lupin, 
which uh, is a French uh, language, entirely in French, um, but French created, produced Netflix show. It's It's got the Netflix incredible cinematography, camera work budget that you would expect from a big Netflix show. It's five episodes, about an hour each, so it's not a not a ton. Uh, but I will say it is très bien. Um, it's, it's, I kind of say it's like an Ocean's Eleven meets Luther, or I guess in this case an Ocean's Une. Um, but it is about a... Um, absolutely scene stealing actor named Omar Sy, um, who is going to be huge. Just get, get in before everyone else does. Um, who I say Luther, cause he, he certainly has some meter cell, but like just screen chewing anytime he's on there, he's the only thing you can look at qualities. He, he has a little broodingness to him. He's, he's not necessarily, um, you know, a, a true, he's, he, he wavers between anti-hero hero, but falls pretty squarely in the hero camp. Um, but it's just a great character. Great show. Lupin is like a, um, Sherlock equivalent in French is published in the early turn of the night, uh, 1900s um and it basically is his guidebook and i won't spoil too much of the plot but his his revenge guidebook he he plays out these um you know now hundred and some odd year old stories for the modern day i'll i'll won't spoil anything to say that um it involves the louvre and there is a ferrari crash through a louvre at one point and it's pretty incredibly shot that's actually really early on um, but it's very good. It's got twists. It's got turns. He's a master of disguise. He's sleight of hand. Um, it's it's really good. Very interesting. If you're not a subtitle person, you may not love it because there's very little English um, in it, um, like maybe 20 words. Uh, and, and so um, that is a prereq, but it is very, very good. Um, and I recommend it quite highly. If nothing else, just watch that actor Omar Sy because, again, he's going to be big. I like it. I actually added it to my like Netflix queue. I'd heard other people talk about it, uh, but I'm interested to, to finally get in and dive in on it because it looks. I mean, it looks looks like it's really good. I mean, I, good. again, Netflix has a lot of um, like most of their most of their like original stuff is at least fun to look at. So I'm interested to see. Uh, I think that guy's gonna be in like the next Jurassic Park. Omar Sy. I think it's the next thing he's got like on his IMDb. I oh, no way. It up, but. Pretty sure he's going to be in Colin Trevorrow's, whatever the next Jurassic Park is called. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. So, finally, we're going to honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I'm going to quickly quiz you. How many times do you think we've said on this very podcast that the last decade has been one of the worst for Texas football, you know, in history, maybe made the argument that it's the worst ballpark guess of how many times we've said that. I mean, we've got what? 250 ish episodes. So <laughs> 250 or so. Yeah. We, we've said it a lot and, and I, we stand by it, but there is, this is a reminder that the athletic department, at the university of Texas goes beyond football and, 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 even though we, of course, want football to be good. Uh, it even goes beyond the big three men's sports that are the major gener- uh, revenue-generating sports of baseball and basketball as well, right? There are many, many sports on the 40 acres. UT, we've joked, has excelled at the country club sports, swimming and tennis and golf. Um, they have been, you know, getting back to their elite status in, in track, men's and women's both. Um, their cross-country team is coming up uh, as well. They, you know, they're pretty good all around. Um, and so I, I was looking it up, the, the director's cup, which is basically the, you know, what I, what I did last week, um, I didn't realize was the director's cup just for the fall and winter when Texas was the only team ranked in all eight, uh, sports and came in second, uh, in that. But if you take a look now that rankings have come out across, 
currently Texas is first in three sports. Volleyball, they moved up. Uh, swimming and di- or depending on the poll, the poll actually swimming and diving, men's and women's. So three number ones. They're number three in women's tennis. Number five currently as they fell one spot in men's basketball. Number six in men's tennis. Number nine in baseball. Number nine in softball. Just right there, that is uh, eight top ten teams. Men's golf, who's actually surprisingly low, is at 19, hoping they can get it up in the spring season. Um, football, uh, way down on this list at number 19. Again, we want to fix that. Women's golf at number 20. Uh, men's cross country at 25. And then, again, they rank women's cross country. They sit at number 29. Women's basketball was as high as, I think, 17. They've fallen a bit. I think they're just in the second of others receiving votes. But they will climb back up. They will win some. They're going to get it regulated. But just look at all of those really good teams. And let's not forget rowing last year, I think finished the highest ever. They were third. Like Texas hasn't been that elite at rowing. They are good all across the board. And when you talk about Chris Conti and the job he's doing and the coaches he's hired outside of football um, and, and, you know, coach Mike White uh, and, and Eldrick Florial and with the track team um, and you know what what he's done with his hires you're hoping that that transition uh, affects football as well because you look this is an athletic department that is as healthy as anyone in the country unbelievable facilities for softball women's basketball men's basketball has some good stuff coming football they've announced some exciting po- possibilities uh, of what's coming there Crystal Conti is doing a great job. Um, it doesn't hinge whether the Sarkeesian hire is perfect and we win a national championship in the next three years, whether he's doing a great job. Of course, we all want that. That would be great. Um, but just take a second and basket it. This is a great time to be a Longhorn. You just might have to dig a little deeper. And one final thing I'll just note, remember soccer signed three, four, five of the top 10 players in the country. So there's a good chance that they could be nationally relevant for four years uh, as well as they have women's national team uh, all over that team coming in. So I didn't even mention them, but uh, soon, soon. I love it. Though they're going to continue to, and especially, and I, I want to advise patience on the football thing. I do think Texas will be better sooner than we think, but again, I want to advise Patience. So I'm banging the drum this week on our favorite pair of pastry making football players, Brandon Rackpo and Mike Griffin. Uh, they're actually uh, so if you haven't watched their their or heard about Cupcake guys, they they own a cupcake shop. Two former NFL players slash Longhorn legends own a cupcake shop. They are doing something incredible. They're actually now going to host a kind of competition show to allow folks the opportunity to uh, learn how to to kind of not just do the entrepreneurial thing and or, or bake cupcakes, but um, you know they're obviously doing this to try to sell subscriptions to whatever new streaming service is up. But I just think it's cool to see to see athletes doing stuff that's not just like in the athletic sphere, right? Like seeing these players come to the University of Texas and learn things and, and you know learn that entrepreneurial spirit. Learn like we talked about it um, last week. That Roshan Johnson got into McCombs last week. Like seeing these players and, and, and that's something that's so important to me is like when we think about who student athletes are, the opportunities don't just end at the football field, right? The opportunities don't just exist between the white lines. Now, that is what gets them these opportunities, but these are people outside of what they do on the in the athletic realm, and I think it's just it's just incredible for again seeing two people that were on some of the best Texas football teams of all time. Probably safe to say, 
like Rack played on those good Colt McCoy teams and Griff played on the Vince Young team. So like it's safe to say they're on some of the best Texas football teams of all time Mm -hmm. doing something that's outside of football, even though they both went pro. So I'm just I'm loving seeing the diversity and the diverse interests coming out of the University of Texas football program. No, I love that, Gerald. I think one of the things when we talk about uh, Banks and, and Sarkeesian coming from Alabama uh, and being great recruiters and you say, well, Alabama recruits itself. Well, well, you know, football aside, when Texas is good at football, it recruits itself too. But uh, you could these are the types of things that, that you could tell a recruit. It's pretty darn cool. Oh, hey, these guys who won national awards while they played college football here and then went on to long NFL careers and now are doing incredibly in business. Take a look at that. Oh, and by the way, you know, Kyle, uh, you know, they obviously recruits listen to the Longhorn Republic. You know, you listen to the Longhorn Republic podcast and host Kyle uh, said all the rankings for the other uh, sports. Oh, here's a list of all the rankings of our programs at the University of Texas. Top 10 business, top 10 science, top 10 engineering, top everywhere. We are geology. I mean, Texas is so stacked. That's that's the recruiting pitch. And I hope they take advantage of it because that is unique. Not many schools can offer the entire package of one of the best top 50, you know, universities in the world. uh, In addition to an incredible sports atmosphere, in addition to one of the best cities in the world to live in. By God, I want to be 18 again just talking about it and be back in in Austin, Texas uh, many, many moons ago. But uh, you're right, Gerald. What starts here changes the world, and not just on the football field. Not especially not on the football field. Before we sign out, we do have to uh, not correct something we said earlier, but breaking news while the podcast was recording. Uh, We said that Texas would have some extra time to prepare for TCU. Apparently, TCU uh, just got blasted with COVID tests. Their head coach actually tested positive for COVID. He announced via Twitter. So that game is off as well. So Texas is going to get a week off before its next game. So hopefully all of those players that are on the mend and all those players that were uh, again in the COVID protocols will be ready to go for their next matchup but now that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter i'm at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i'm at gh gooder troll the show on twitter at longhorn pod you can connect with us on facebook or instagram the longhorn republic or you can shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com you can also check me out on my other podcast will be dropping on wednesday where we talk about the first two episodes of wandavision and probably some other random stuff as well two woke nerds you can find us basically anywhere where you found this podcast thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend until next time hook em. hook em. aussie 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 austin austin Oi.